This episode of No Pyro, No Podcast is supported by Jen and Revive Massage Therapy. Revive Massage Therapy is a local, woman-owned business located off County Road 210 in St. Johns County. Jen has over 15 years of experience and is able to provide custom massage therapy to your specific needs. Visit facebook.com forward slash Revive St. Johns for more information. Thank you, Jen, for your support of the show. Welcome to No Pyro No Podcast, our Armada Fancasts. This week we have Derek. Hey, what's going on, everyone? We've got James. Evening, fellas. And myself, Daniel Dad Johnson. And this week's episode, we'll be looking at the Armada 2-1 win over Pensacola. And we'll look ahead to Armada versus New Orleans away coming up. So let's go ahead and get right straight into... Um, the Armada Pensacola match. And one thing of note would be the return of some familiar faces uh, to the squad this week that had a quite large impact. So who wants to start? Yeah. So we had a uh, uh, Giancarlo Vaccaro come back into the squad and also Mason Turnbridge uh, in from their college. Uh, Mason actually was the San Diego um, university player of the year. Um, he was actually just awarded with last week, and that's uh, part of the reason why it took him a while to get in. So, um, but the game was uh, actually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good for the Armada. They jumped out from the start. They were pressing pretty high. Um, I know in the second minute, um, Turnbridge actually forces a turnover, sent the ball over the top to the left hand side to Vaccaro. Cuts inside, passes to McCollum, whose shot gets blocked, but it goes wide to Bowman, who sends a perfect cross right into the box, and it lands right in between Taylor and Vaccaro, and none of them connect. And they both ended up just looking at each other, and I was just thinking to myself, like, geez, like, you, you can't put in a better cross. Uh, uh, I was thinking it might be a long day. What, what was your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, there was a lot of that in the opening of the first half for sure. Um, with those, you know, you saw a qu- quite a big spark um, coming right out the gate compared to the uh, the last couple of matches. So that was uh, we knew something was in store. Um, it was just uh, like I said, a, a lot of energy um, from the start for sure. Yeah, for me, Tunbridge has been the the, the missing part that we've. Uh could have done with the beginning of the, the, the first two matches. Um, he uh, definitely uh, fills that role perfectly. And uh, we dominated early on and we saw kind of more of that um, possession base that we used to seeing with the Armada team, you know, that Tommy's implemented. So uh, I'm glad, glad the boys um, are back uh, and it definitely shows, definitely makes a difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. In like the first ten minutes, it felt like the Armada they they were the only ones going forward. They would have the high press. They would get the turnover around midfield or get the long ball that would be cleaned up by the keeper or the um uh by the keeper uh, Dubervic or one of them back line Redmore Shanley or Alex Smith back there. Um, and it was a lot of one way traffic. Um, but it just felt like the, the first 10, 15 minutes, they just, the last moment we were just short, like there was, um, um, 
a couple of times that Taylor would get the ball or and just put the pass right behind either Vaccaro or Edu or Tumbridge would put the ball into Taylor and he just it just bobbled on his feet where the defender was able to clear it. It's just like, okay, what's what's going on here? It's uh, are, are we gonna figure this out? We kind of we we need to make sure we're getting three points going in. So, um, but the team was playing fairly well. It was one way traffic, and then all of a sudden, in like the 14th minute, um, Bowman who gets an interception, and then he gets flipped on his ass. So it's uh, he gets a yellow. They get an attacking. Um, uh, indirect free kick from uh, deep on the right-hand side, but then they don't really do anything. The free kick goes from Coimbra to Mason in the middle, Taylor loses it, and then it's on a counterattack. So, um, I don't know, uh, uh, James, uh, you were watching that game uh, for, on TV, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. So, did you see how the the counter came came into play? On- it was... It was really swift. Like the the hard thing is, it's a little bit frustrating with the camera angle and stuff because unfortunately I'm not able to see a lot of uh, what goes on just because of the camera angle and um, the position of the the camera itself. And since there's no replay, um, you can't really go back and, and watch it unless you rewatch the match. So I did miss it, but it was uh, it was quick. It, and I know the the goals coming up. We'll talk about that. But it was the same kind of thing. It was just lost in transition. And um, it, it just come back uh, to bite us in the butt, you know. It's just, it's, and it, it boils down to the way we play. But well, it, it was weird how it all happened. So it's like the I'm sitting on the fence there, and like I just see the ball bounce in front of Shanley, and then because he's up for that initial free kick from Wimber, yeah. and he he doesn't get all the way back, and the ball bounces five feet in front of him and skips has an awkward hop and hits him right in the chin and falls right to the uh, attacking player ends up in Lightborn's uh, feet who passes it wide right. They get up the field. And they cut inside and they just center it to Lightborn, um, who's just outside the box, and he puts an upper left-hand corner. And Dubrovic has no shot of even saving it. Like it's just a weird bounce, and all of a sudden it's uh, um, Armada are down one nothing when they've had about seventeen minutes of control for the game. Yeah, and that's. That's one thing that uh, James mentioned before about the uh, the angles. That's one of the, the the as far as if you're watching the broadcast, is that uh, Bishop Kinney, the cameras are quite, you know, quite a bit lower, and that pitch, um, the the pitch, the crown on the pitch. I remember I was watching the replay, and uh, Janet walked in the room and said, "What size is that field they're playing on?" Because it's almost like you can't even see that other side. Um, the way it dips down across the other side. So, what you're know, watching the replay, the the whole transition of play looked a lot different than you know from actually being there right in front of us and seeing it live. But it's deceiving. Yeah, it's very very deceiving. It's just like almost like half the field is gone. Um, but it did look different. You know, Derek, I think you summed it up perfectly from from being there. You know, watching it in person versus watching the uh, the replay. It, it was you could have given almost two different descriptions of what went on. Well, actually, I watched the replay earlier today, and like you can see it, the ball just get, catching Shanley just right in the wrong spot, and it just there was nothing that the defense could really do on it. It just was one of those awkward moments that led to them being down one nothing. 
But you know what's uh, not, not deceiving is the fact that we went down early on in the first half. You know, it seems to be uh, something that's carried over from last year. Um, well, well, last year when we played them, we went down 2 nothing very early in the yeah. playoffs and we came back and won. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it seems to be a character thing. And I know part of it, too, is we've got the... The players, some of them haven't played with each other. It was Mason's uh, first match back. Um, and it's just uh, it, it, the way we play, it just leaves us open and susceptible to, to go down early if the, the other team knows how to counter, you know. And uh, that's that's what a lot of teams are doing. They're just sitting back looking for us to make a mistake or ball to bounce the wrong way and they're off, off to the races, you know, so... Right. I mean, if you look at us over the last, you know, couple of seasons, that's sort of been our MO, right? We, you know, yeah. get behind early and, and, and have to come back in with the comeback. Do you think some of that is more of our, you know, attacking style and we open ourselves up for that early until we get kind oh, of settled down? We're more focused got, on the attack? We, we play three in the back for one that's going to be... Um, most back lines are going to have four or five people, but we only have three. And then uh, the two outside people, which was Jed Bowman on the right and Mike Thomas on the left, they are being told that they have to bomb forward. That That's part of the attacking, the, the part of the, the, the way Tommy wants to play is those wingbacks bomb forward. They want to play side by side. They want to, to, to widen the field, to stretch out the defense, move them around, and then try to get the switch them up, um, switch the field and, uh, create some numbers miss, numbers advantage. In order to do that, though, you have to have confidence in your defense. Um, this year, with the addition of Redmore, I mean that he fills that, that bill perfectly because he's a solid unit. He's confident. He's young. He's been playing for a while. Um, and I remember seeing him at seven states. Like he, He's a standout player. So we, we do have um, decent defense. It's just, once again, it leaves us open. We've got... Uh, Players aren't used to playing with each other yet. The chemistry's not there. And then just the style of play, it just leaves us open for these these kind of things. But I, I think as the season goes on, even though it's not a long one, we will figure it out. But we just have to be careful because there are teams out there that have our number as far as they know how we play now. We haven't switched it up any. Uh, we've got a, a change in personnel. But um, it's just something to kind of look out for because... Uh, they as soon as they scored the goal, they they kind of parked the bus. It, it was early. They they parked the bus early, which I thought oh, way was too early. It was comical because um, I forgot the player who scored for him. I just know it was their captain. He ran over to section 904 after, and the rest of the fans and was giving it large, kind of winding them up and stuff. And I just grinned at that point because I knew the way we play. Like, okay, we go down early, but we're going to come back. They're going to they're going to eat them words, you know. So sure enough, yeah, that happened. It's almost like falling into a trap, if you will. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole bench, the whole bench was was fired up after that, and they they were yeah. all kind of turning around and uh, doing the little run your mouth hand, uh, you know, signals and stuff and things like that. And which I find weird. This is like. Or, um, most like coaches that we're playing against are instructing their players don't make contact with us don't 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 even acknowledge uh the the supporters group whatsoever because they know it can like it's just gonna rile them up and like it, it's going to fuel on the uh fuel on the team for for going against them so it, especially when it's like uh, was that 17th minute? There's still 73 minutes left in the game. It's too early to start taunting the supporters section, especially since um, before uh, Saturday's game, 
they lost they they've lost all five games against Tommy K since he's been the coach of the Armada U23 team. They've right. yet to beat him. Right. It, it it's like, you know, if you think about, you know, us as a group of supporters, section 904 or whatever you want to call it, you know, if, maybe what, 4 or 5 years ago it would have been, you know, oh god, the other team scored. Uh, you know, okay, let's 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 start bring some energy and stuff and things like that. But now it's almost like, okay, you know, it's not a big deal. Let's uh, let's let's move on and do our thing. And we've always been able to do that. I hope we can carry on with that. Right, and it's the importance of the twelfth man, though, because um, the the lack of inexperience in in this case, the the players are generally a lot younger in this league. Um, they haven't really faced. I mean, when they're playing at their colleges and their their local clubs, it's usually their parents, their girlfriends, or what have you, just watching them. You know, it's, it's a pretty lackadaisical. Um, atmosphere but when when you come play against the armada it's a, it's a different feeling like the, the the fans that we do have are very passionate and stuff and they make it known so um yeah and, and the players being younger and inexperienced they react to that you know so the 12th man really does play a, a important factor at this level Derek, and i actually who, who wasn't with... we were at flagler uh we would watch flagler play it was team oh, from yeah. in georgia no uh, it, it uh i forget who it was uh yeah, but yeah like had... a the guy was like just dumbfounded that we were even talking to him, you know, and, and, and taunting him a little bit. He was like, you can't do that. That that happened to me at JU as well. I was, right. um, uh, what, when I was, I wasn't even actually talking trash to the guy. It was, uh, from UC Riverside and then they scored a goal and then he started taunting me. So, uh, I, uh, it was like second minute of the game. I was like, "Really? Okay." <laughs> People that don't know, Derek is a uh, legendary in his own right. From Corinthians training staff in Orlando to players in the NASL, like the guys that used to play in the MLS and, and people on this podcast. <laughs> Derek, Derek uh, makes it known and uh, he's able to get under players and staff skin uh, better than most people. So. But that's, you know, it's, like you said, James, that's one thing that these guys have to learn. If you're exactly. going to be a professional, you've got to be exactly. able to put up with that. I mean, I mean, we you know, as a group, we've had, uh, uh, what, Joe Cole. Yeah. <laughs> fired up, up enough to retaliate. That's a Dane, whole other story. Dane Richards for the Red Bulls. Day. I remember Dane Richards when he was playing for the Red Bulls. Right. Honestly, my, my favorite trash talking moment that I've ever had was actually at a Dodger game. Uh, my brother and me sat outside of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers bullpen and just talked trash to the their bullpen the entire time and they all they came back with some mom jokes and i was like oh you're gonna chalk trash like and this is when like the dodgers got manny ramirez and everything they were like on a hot streak and just it's it's so easy and fun when once you get get them talking and you know they're getting annoyed in it because most people they they're not like uh they're not going to get geared up for the game they're focusing on you which takes away their focus on what they're supposed to be doing as their job. So what yeah. was the, uh, what was the name of the Charleston goalkeeper? Um, I forget, but yeah, that's, that's that, 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 that was also fun, but let, let's get back to this game. Okay. Sorry, so sorry, yeah. I so after they, um, after they score the goal, um, about two minutes later, uh, Bowman, who, he he started mouthing off back at the referee or having discussion with him. I don't know, but he ended up getting a yellow for dissent. And on the um, stream, JJ suggested it might have been because he was upset for being off the field because 
he had to get medical attention, which made me think, like, hold up, they issued a yellow card for that foul, and Jed Bowman ended up not being on the field for about, like, uh, one or two minutes before they brought him back in on plays. Like, aren't you supposed to, if, if a card is issued, aren't they supposed to bring the player back onto the field? Or am I off on that one? I think it's at the discretion of the referee. I mean, the refs are ultimately the one in control. Um, I, I still don't know. It'd be interesting to talk to Jed to find out uh, exactly what transpired there and what led to that. But it, it was an interesting one. And it was confusion on the commentators, confusion on the bench, like exactly what was going on there. I, I had a word, a quick word with Jed after the match. And um, he had mentioned he was, was just having a little bit of a go at the referee just for, you know, just being, I, I don't want to say quite, what he said, but um, it was just basically just just straight descent. He was mouthing off. Um, Which that, said, that's pretty early in the game to pick up his first yellow. Normally, Jed, you're looking at sixty to seventy five minutes just because they're they're expecting him to be part of the attack, but also bust his ass back to defend as well. You got you got to remember too, though, lads. Jed's my people. You know, he's English, so he's used to giving it a little bit. And uh, the ref, refs in this country, people in general, don't do well with, um, with the banter, you know. So uh, he's got to be careful with that because uh, it was real early to be getting a yellow. And a needless yellow at that, you know, he really didn't need to pick up that early. Right. And I, I think, you know, after talking to him after the Florida Roots match and then a little bit after this match as well, I think he was, he'd been getting a little bit down on himself about his level of play. Um, he didn't think he was living, you know, playing up to where he should be. And I think he's got a little bit more pressure on him as well, being captain now. Yeah. You know, and he is one of the technically one of the older guys, you know, if you will. And well, so, they, they also he's also out there to set the tone, and part of that tone is well, to be I, play on the edge. Right. But I yeah, I think, you know, that this is this is a role, you know, the captaincy role is something he's he's growing into. Um yeah. And, you know, I, I think he'll, you know, he'll get there at some point with that. But, you know, I think he, he's just, he's he's hot-headed and uh, he wants to win and wants to do well. Absolutely. And then, like, a few minutes later, in the 24th minute, um, Toby McCollum was playing in the midfield with uh, Mason Tunbridge. He also got a yellow. So now in less than a third of the game, we had got two people on a yellow and then... Later in the uh, 35th minute, we get a third person with a yellow when Alex Smith had a awful tackle on a on their defender. Um, but I think that Alex Smith's tackle was more of a um, because Coimbra was brought down on a kind of a sort of breakaway moments earlier, and it, they didn't get the call, so it was kind of a message like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this guy up. You're not calling anything. Just just to prove a point to the ref." Well, so. uh, James, wasn't it something right about this point in the match in the group chat? We kind of had, we had gone back and forth saying somebody's going to get a red. Yeah, yeah, that Somebody was either the, side. It could be one way or the other. Somebody's going to get one off. And just the tone was set, and the referee made it clear, like issuing out cards left and right. I was like, it's only a matter of time until we get a first red. I didn't, and I thought it was going to be a combination of both um, Pensacola, Pensacola players and our players getting a red because um, it definitely seemed that way. Yeah. It, it came close. I, I honestly thought um, there was a, another moment. I, I forget if it was in the first half or second half that Tunbridge uh, kind of got into a tussle with uh, one of the players. He caught like an elbow, like right into the um, right into his side, and you could tell he was like just took the breath out of him. And 
he was in pain, but sure enough, a little bit later, uh, Tumbridge got got a talking to because he found a moment to uh, um, with a ball in the air and uh, uh, cleared the guy from uh, about five uh, five yards inbounds and uh, to about five yards out of bounds with a shoulder to shoulder tackle that he uh, he ended up having to go put his arm around the referee just uh, to let him know like hey I didn't mean anything by this yeah and I was sort of worried about that about him putting his arm around the referee and you know you got to be careful about that as well yeah, I, I'm honestly touch. surprised he didn't get a yellow for for any of that yeah for sure. It looked even so, worse watching watching it on the replay than from being there. You know, I was like, "Oh yeah, he really did do that." And he did it for a while. They probably walked about probably six, seven yards. yards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they were on a date or something. Yeah, and he was smiling ear to ear too. Like it just, I, I really thought he was going to get a yellow for like, and he knew it too. But they didn't give it to him, so it was a, uh, it was interesting because, uh, that uh, I'm glad they didn't because. You don't want both of your central midfielders holding a yellow and also uh, your right back or your right wing back and also your right center back. Like the Pensacola could pick one side up the field and if they got by anyone, they could have easily just uh, uh, made it where they couldn't yeah, like, make any tactical fouls. It kind of harkens back to which I forgot which playoff match it was last season, but with Elijah, um, during that goal celebration, rubbing, uh, I think it was one of the linesmen on the head. Yeah. When everybody was all piled together. Yeah. Yep. That could have gone, that could have gone another way as well. You don't want to be touching the officials. Yeah. It uh, wasn't a good thing. But um, luckily, though, before the half, though, uh, the team did have something to celebrate. Um, uh, Edu Quimbra, uh came very deep into the field. Um, he got the ball on a throw-in from Mike uh, or from uh, from Jed Bowman, and then he ended up switching the field to Micah Thomas, who was like pushed way up on the left-hand side. Um, and then Micah had a great moment of just holding the ball long enough for Geo to pretty much get even um, before making the uh, the the through ball to him. And once Geo's even, he's gone. You're talking about the fastest kid in the NPSL. Um, gets around the defender and then just slots it behind the keeper on the right-hand side to uh, nothing but net. What was your guys' thoughts on that goal? Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful goal. Uh, Vaccaro, I mean, he, he's uh, created this kind of um, expectation. Like, when you see him on the ball, he's exciting. Like, his pace, he just burns anybody. And I, I just want to note on uh, the, the play by Micah Thomas because he's such a young kid. But um, I don't mean that with any disrespect, but he is, he's a young man. And uh, he showed the maturity by holding up the ball there just to slot it off so Vaccaro could run on. And uh, Vaccaro, I, he had a couple plays similar to, to that where he had chances, but this one, it was, it was just a beautiful on target and he just carried on running, <laughs> you know, like in true Vaccaro fashion, you know, he's such a smooth operator. It was like they, they'd been, they'd, they had practiced that and been, yeah. been uh, playing together yeah. for years. It was Straight just off the training ground. It was a fun, yeah, it was fact just magical. About, fun fact about Micah Thomas. He actually graduated high school earlier in the day. That's right. That's right. Yeah, congrats, Micah. Congrats. Yes, sir. Congrats uh, on that, and good luck at UConn uh, next year. So um, that wraps up the first half. Uh, anything you guys uh, want to uh, call out specifically on what you're seeing? It, you know, like I think like we mentioned kind of, kind of at the beginning, it's it's typical um, 
Armada playbook, if you will, you know, uh, you know, attack hard, get a little get behind and then, you know, pull it right back. You know, um, it was textbook. The thing I liked, it, it showed um, the character that we have because the boys didn't drop their heads after that goal. It kind of lit a fire under their bums, if anything. And um, they started coming out a certain their dominance a little more. And uh, we, we got the goal. And I'm just glad we got that uh, that tie, that equalizer, before the half was over. Yeah. No. And, and honestly, the that was the the one goal that Pensacola had was their only shot on goal in the entire yeah. first half. Wow, so the, the defense, yeah, the defense played well. The attacking was pretty good from the Armada. Um, I I thought the partnership with Mason and Toby. Mason tended to play uh, in the first half a little higher than Toby, and Mason was playing on the left side uh, of the midfield, um, and Toby was playing more of a uh, um, defensive type role, playing behind him to cover. Um, I thought. I, I wasn't sure if that was the best fit for them. Um, and I do think a lot of the balls that we were sending over the top, it the field that we were on at Bishop Kenny, with it being so narrow, really didn't play to our speed advantage with Geo because we were playing it over the top in the center and not letting our guys uh, go have fine space on the on the sides like Geo or Micah Thomas or, or Edu uh, coming in to create. So, um, that was stuff I was hoping that we would get changed up in the second half, but um, that's why they play the game, so we can see. All right, let's talk about the second half. So in the second half, I noticed uh, when they came back, Mason and Toby actually switched midfield spots. Toby actually uh, moved to the left. Uh, Mason moved to the right, and also they kept moving him down into um, – Coming deeper, he was moving to more of like a right back or a right wing back role to get the ball so he can play the balls deeper. He ended up getting a little more uh, uh, opportunity to switch the field or also do plays over the top on the outsides. And I thought that was actually a very good tactical decision that Tommy might have um, changed in, in the locker room. Um, I, I know at the start, it was more the same the first half. Armada just kept uh um kept getting attacking moments and they were uh they just weren't getting anything really by uh Pensacola they, the the ball would either be right inside right outside of where they needed to strike it or they would shoot it a little high or a little wide on stuff but overall you can sense a goal was coming so um how how did you guys feel about the first 15 minutes and how that went? All right. So, yeah, for me, the first 10, 15 minutes just seemed like more of the uh, first half. Uh, yeah, Tommy, the crew definitely changed up the tactics, but it just seemed like we couldn't really penetrate or break through. Um, so, yeah. And I know with talking with Tommy in the past, you know, a lot of times we ask about, you know, what you know, what happens at halftime, you know, what, what you know, dude, does he give like a, a stirring speech or, you know, anything like that? And everything I've been told, he usually stays fairly calm and, you know, just, you know, gets on everybody to, to make those adjustments. And it looks like adjustments were made. Yeah. And then even more adjustments came to around the 60th minute. In the 61st minute, Pensacola had a sub. And then in the 63rd minute, Armada ended up having a. 
three-person sub. They, uh, who came out was Jed Bowman, who was on a yellow. Toby McCollum was on a yellow. And then Angus Taylor, who uh, had some pretty good chances, but just couldn't get anything in. Um, in the game came uh, Jamaican Richard Thomas uh, for Jed Bowman. Uh, Teddy West, who took over the midfield and actually ended up um, playing more um, more back for Telly, Teddy McCollum, so Mason get forward. And then Keegan Anselin um, ended up being the center forward in the in the middle of a attacking three. And, so, as we'll, and, and as we'll soon find out, what a substitution that was. Yeah, no, it was it was great. We ended up having uh, a few minutes later, uh, Coimbra won a free kick um, towards the center of the field, and he actually, instead of moving back to the right-hand side, he kind of got lost on the left-hand side a little bit still. Um, and then when the, the Armada played the ball back around a little bit still, and like uh, between Redmore to, I think, Shanley, and then back to Redmore, and then Redmore... Uh, hits the ball out to uh, Coimbra, who is streaking down the left-hand side, which he's a natural left footer, so it's kind of great for crossing, and then just puts a beautiful cross into a wide-open uh, Keegan Anselin, who just gets a tapping goal uh, five minutes after he gets on the pitch. And the, the funny thing about that goal, and uh, just watching it on the, the live stream, was... JJ was just picking up Anson and talking about the uh, potential the kid had and stuff. And uh, literally, as he's, he's, he's picking him up and giving him praise and stuff, the kid literally has this tap in. Like, it was a lovely um, pass in, but uh, it was a lovely little tap in, too. Yeah, I actually, uh, when we had the roster release, I was actually surprised at his uh, goal prowess. In um, 24 games at University of West Florida, he's got 15 goals. And also, this isn't his first um, year with Armada. This is actually, I think, his second year. He had a goal last year for the team, and this is his first goal for the team uh, this year. So um, he, he's definitely a body that we don't have anyone like that uh, in terms of attacking players. He's 6'4", he's yeah. good as hell, and he, he play, he's good at playing with his back to goal. So he's great with the build-up play. You you send the ball to him, and he finds that little pass onto someone else, and then gets upfield. Like he keeps the ball moving. He's completely different than Angus Taylor, who's going to be one to constantly make the runs. He's going to be a pressing uh, forward and try to force people into mistakes. It's it, it it's a complete change of pace in players. Yeah, and that's something we haven't had in the past. Is that that one to play with the back to the goal and 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 uh, you know be able to to distribute it out and find, you know, those attacking players running on. That's something we really haven't had. We've had a lot of those attacking players, like you were just saying, those guys, those people that can make those runs. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for the rest of the season. Well, he's he's perfect because he's a, a great point man. Like he, he's huge, you know, you just, all you got to do is whip it into the, the box and hopefully I get his head onto it or foot to it, you know, like, I mean, he's, he's massive. So I think he's going to be, um, a real attribute to the team, and uh, you can see for for such a big man too, he's got techers like he's he's good on the ball. So uh, yeah, a lot of uh, excitement for this young player. And, and plus, he occupies people in that middle, which gives more free space to to Edu coming deeper and Geo to just blaze on the outside. So it's he's a good fit for the three man up front. 
So I, I personally like him starting over Angus Taylor. And even though I think Angus Taylor might be a better player right now, I think Keegan might be a better fit for the team with Taylor being energy off the bench that can be a difference maker later in the games. But that's just my opinion. I'm going to make a prediction with him and Jed. I think they're going to have a link-up play. Jed's been, he was running up and down that wing like a wild man. Um, and he, he had some nice crosses in the first half. So I, I could just imagine in the future games, him and Jed having some good uh, chemistry link-up play. That's that's one advantage we have over the rest of the conference is we have a bench full of starters. Yeah. Facts. They're studs. Like even the, the subs we made, the, the three that we made, like um, Richard Thompson, Teddy West, Keegan Anson, like they're, they're all just studs. Yeah, Rich, Richard Thompson guys, had a great game off the team. bench. Yep. Any like of those they, guys could start on for any team in the Gulf Coast. And, and the yeah. thing I like too about these kids that we're bringing in is they they play with that aggression. They got a chip on their shoulder. Like Richard Thompson, um, Jamaican kid. Like he plays t- like growing up in England and stuff. I'm fortunate to watch and see a lot of uh, Jamaican players playing our, our leagues and stuff. And he's he's definitely got the speed and he's he's got that physicality that you need in a player. So I'm excited to see what you can do in team two. Yeah. And so for the, the rest of the match was uh, our motto really didn't have too many opportunities and neither did Pensacola, but there was a couple moments that um, the Pensacola keeper, I don't know what was going <laughs> through his mind. It, it just, I had some McGill uh, Gallardo flashbacks going yeah, shades on right of Mickey. there. Yeah, uh, oh my God. There, there was one that, um, that they, we kicked it deep. He goes to the corner, kicks it, uh, kicks it deep. Then Redmore sends it back in and the keeper just, instead of heading it out and safe, he adds it to the middle of the field while he's still on the right-hand side, right, right to Coimbra. And Coimbra's just middle middle of the pitch, got one defender between him and goal. He goes for a header from a, probably about, what, 20 yards out? Yeah, 20 or 30. Yeah, and the ball bounces and then does a super high bounce just over the crossbar. And, like, it, it's just, uh, it, like, it, it, it should have been a third goal. Like, the header was close. Maybe he should have brought the ball down because uh, – I, I trust the ball with his feet uh, just as much, and he can pick left side, right side, or whatever. And the the defender would have been in no man's land, no one to help him. Yeah, that uh, bounce that bounce would have been another eight inches uh, closer to the goal. That would have been it. It would have hit the top of the net on on the bounce. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But so, like yeah, seriously, like what were you, what was your guys' thoughts like as it was happening? It was more about being there and, and and going like I I I don't believe what I'm seeing, but then to sit back and watch it, it's kind of like you know like I was talking about before. You know, you're there. You know, you're involved in everything that's going on, and you know, and then you go back and watch it. And you go, wow, that really did happen. That was like I saw that, and that was definitely one of those moments. It was like I saw it. You know, I, I think it shocked everybody, like the players, the staff, the coach, the bench, the, the, the supporters, because like you nobody was really expecting that and like um i'll piggyback off of what jj said on the commentary which is you have certain goalkeepers that they're the only ones that know exactly what they're doing you know like to everybody else it looks wild asinine like what like what on earth are they doing but to them they have a, a clear picture in their mind and it may have been one of them or it could have just been the pressure and uh you force the way we play you force goalkeepers defenders to make mistakes 
and uh, you have to capitalize on them when you do get them chances. But in saying that, it probably took our guys uh, by surprise too and didn't really know what to do with it, and that, that should have been a 3-1. Yeah, definitely. Um, Derek, I was just curious, did we ever get stats on what the what the percent, uh, possession percentage, let me try it again, possession percentage was for the match? Were you able to find uh, that I, I don't think NPSL keeps track of any of that. I don't think they have the resources to to track any of that. Because if we had to make a guess, what do you think possession would have been? Uh, 70-30. I think even more than that, to be honest. So, well, in the first half, yes. In the second half, um, there, there was just so much uh, kick the ball and run uh, after we scored that second goal. Like, we kept possession for, like, a solid, like, Five minutes after that, but then after, uh, then it was just like a whole bunch of nothing. Armada would just try to play stuff, maybe have one or two people attacking, and then um, everyone just sitting back because you don't want to give up the tying goal. And it ended with your Jacksonville Armada 2, Pensacola 1. And we'll be right back after this break. This episode is sponsored by Print Kingdom. Print Kingdom is a local veteran-owned business offering custom screen-printed goods to help elevate and make your small business or organization stand out from the crowd. Okay, here we are with Tommy with the post-game comments. Uh, So post-game comments on on tonight, um, some good... Some some good takeaways, obviously, you know, not only the result, but finding the net, um, the, the subs that have come in that made a difference, the players that were missing that have come in that have made a difference, um, some injuries also we've, we've uh, obtained over the last couple of weeks. And so having that depth on the bench, having that depth within the organization, within the team is, is therefore massive so that we're not dropping in quality. Um, definitely some things that we want to still improve that we feel like are not we're not even close to yet. Um, on the offensive side, identifying cues, newer players playing together, when to go forward, when to slow the game down, how to control the tempo of the game, all things that we are now actually able to start working on. But overall, a big difference, uh, you know, in, in, in behavior. If you, if you look at Pensacola, a much more improved group from last year. But then you look at how we've how we've come about. We've limited their chances, um, whereas last year they had a lot more chances, a lot more goals scored against us. Um, I thought, you know, we've, we've we've done well. We're more organized, but not even close to where we want to be at the end of the or going into playoffs. And what was the talk at uh, halftime? What was that like? Uh, the talk at halftime was more of our defensive responsibilities. You know, what they do, what they do well. Um, they play a good style. They try to overload wide channels. They try to overload central channels. And how we thought, how I thought we dealt with that was really well, good because we, we limited their chances. Um, they were dangerous in transition, something that teams are always going to be against us uh, because of the possession-oriented style that we play. But again, that's something that we need to be in control more of. Something that we need to be. Um, um, that's something that we need to to have more chances again so that we are prepared for uh, down the road. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. And we are here with Gio Vaccaro, who scored a goal in the 42nd minute. Uh, Gio, talk to us what happened. Um, it was a great effort from the boys. We didn't start the way we wanted to. We went down early, but we kept fighting. My, I was able to link up with Micah on the side. 
yeah, one-on-one with the goalie and put it away. And then after that, the boys were buzzing. We got our second. Keegan came through with an assist from Eddie, and the rest is history. So uh, can you confirm if you are the fastest player in the NPSL? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that about myself, but I'll let others speak on it. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say you are. So, but Thank you. Appreciate your time. Glad to have you back. This is your first game this year. So boys are now uh, – Four games in, we got uh, 12 points, two points per game. So that's going to push you guys near the top of the conference. So good luck in the next game. Yeah, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Now we are joined by Keegan Anselin. Uh, Keegan, uh, you got the game winner in the 60th minute. Talk us through what happened. Yeah, uh, it's a great feeling to get the winner. Um, all the credit in the world to Eddie. He made that play happen. Um, I was just there to ex execute. You know, it's my first game back in, you know, a few months. So it feels good to be back uh, seeing all the people out here in the crowd. You know, it feels great. So this is uh, your first goal of the year for the Armada, and there's a uh, second one overall. Uh, uh, you should expect more from you now, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm expecting more this year, and I'm, I'm really hoping that I can uh, help the team out as much as I can the rest of the year. Perfect. Well, we got one week before we see you against New Orleans, and good luck, sir. So appreciate it. And we are back. That was posting comments from Tommy Krasanovich, Gio Vaccaro, and Keegan Anselin. So, guys, what, do you, what are your thoughts of as we kind of wrap up? Uh, the uh two one win over Pensacola. So for me it was an exciting game. Uh for the neutral it would have been exciting. Uh for Pensacola not so much. But like Tommy said in the interview, um we're not even close to where we need to be. Um which is a testament to the boys because we got a good result, you know. So uh yeah I really I really liked what I saw. Um there's quite a few players that stood out for me. Uh my player of the match would have been Alex Smith. He uh, didn't put a foot wrong all game. Um, he was solid in the back, making uh, decisive plays, good in defense. Um, so Alex, and then although Jed had a frustrating uh, match, I believe he still he still did his thing, like running up and down. Like he, he's a solid player. I just uh, hope it, it starts clicking for him, you know, and he starts getting the play that that he deserves. So. Yeah, I was I was happy with the overall performance of the boys, and uh, I think as this next match will go, things will click even more. So, so yeah. Do either of you think we should be concerned with the uh, still what would you know lack of a shutout so far? Um, another another match, no shutout. Yeah, but like that that happened, but it's I'm not really too worried about this one because it was one against a run of play. And two, it was an awkward bounce that hit the chin of uh, Shanley, and then they were able to just get the counter off of that. Like it's, it's one of those fluke bounces that if it doesn't go that way, I don't think they score a goal all night. And they only had one other shot on goal um, the entire match. So ha having two shots on goal and like, is that something you really want to be worried about? Well, the thing is, they didn't. They didn't look like they had uh, many chances at all. You know, they didn't look like they were doing anything. Like it was all less control and it was all less on attack. The only the only chance they really had would have been a mistake or um, a set piece. You know, and they, they really didn't do anything. So, yeah. Well, you know, talking talking to set pieces. What what are you guys' thoughts on on how we've been doing on set pieces this year? So that was, I think, one of our weakest point. I don't think our delivery was. Uh was very well um there there was um an opportunity that shanley just missed the ball and like this is the second straight game that he just missed um 
a, a header to score a goal. Like I, I think he should have three or four right now in this year. It seems like he has won a game from a set piece that they free him up on the back post and he gets one on one. Um, but we, we that is an area that I think we can do better. And I think that just come with time. The, the more time on the training training ground, it just that had to come with time. But it's kind of like what we had said on previous previous episodes is we're kind of at the point now where we have such a short season. Yeah. You know, you kind of got to get on it pretty quick because blink of an eye, it's going to be over. Well, this is the first time that we've had like our whole like main roster together. Um, so it's uh, this like I, I still want to see. Um, I, I haven't seen any pictures or anything on Dom Dominguez and Cam Broswell who. uh we're on our team roster when we give uh, when we were giving it to us in uh back in uh April. Um but I I would like to see them soon, even though uh Dubervik, this is the second game that we've seen him and I think he's played well enough to get another start out there. Like I th- I thought our whole defense played very well outside of that one moment um where they scored a goal. I, I think uh James called it out with Alex Smith. He he played a great game. Redmore, I think, was uh, 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 this this was the best game we've seen from him, and he was outstanding down there. And outside of that one little uh, mishap uh, from Shanley, he played a perfect game as well. So it, there there really wasn't too much that we can nitpick on our guys. I I thought it was a very good game for everyone. Yeah, it's just I, I come from you know uh, I guess a defensive mindset, you know, and, and you you know I wouldn't say that I'm worried by by any any stretch of the imagination, but it, it just seems like we just can't. I'd just like to see one one shutout. If we could just get one yeah. shutout, I would uh, would make me a lot happier, a lot more comfortable to have that that pad, if you will. I hear you, and like. Um... It is frustrating, and I, I just go back to the Open Cup. Uh, I forgot the team's name who we played where we lost. Um, uh, Miami FC. Miami? No, no, no. Last year, sorry. Oh, uh... <laughs> Tulsa. Tulsa. That's that's it. Like when you have a team that uh, are mature and do sit back and wait to counter and hurt you and stuff. Like there's no really, we don't really have an answer for that, you know. So I think at least. In our conference and stuff, I don't think there's a team that have that that our number. But I mean, um, when when we play other teams that do do have that experience and maturity and stuff, I, I think they're able to put damage on us. That's so true. one, That's a good one thing I'm curious about is how this uh, uh, Mason Turnbridge and uh, Mason Tunbridge and Toby McCollum midfield partnership is going to work. What did you guys think on on how they were handled together? I, I think it showed like the lack of experience of them just playing together on the pitch. You know, I mean, the, and and you could say that for a lot of the players, like the the finishing touch just wasn't there as far as a pass. They expected somebody to be there, or they didn't make the run. But that comes with time, and like we we keep saying, that's something we really don't have. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's kind of like a crash course of just <laughs> you know game after game, and then the season's over. Like. And, Right, more, but, so. but even with those two, even when they have a bad day, you know, is it really, really a bad, bad day? Well, if that it, makes sense. I, I, I just felt they, like they covered defensively. I think their positioning was great. 
offensively, I don't think they worked together all that much. Well, I, 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 I think they they were playing deeper, and I think they were looking to con- maybe it was the game plan to connect uh, uh, with more of the attacking players and doing more long balls or switching the field and everything. But like, I, I want to see more of them have or those two specifically have more connections in the midfield, more passing, beating people together, and creating um, creating some one twos together. I think that comes with time. Mason's a, a playmaker, and um, when that when that chance for him isn't on the ball, like he go directly at goals. But um, I think that just come hopefully in the next game. That that time a lot. The next game will will speak volumes. By the way, speaking of Mason, the guy looks like he's in phenomenal shape. He yeah. looked like he's lost probably about fifteen twenty pounds, yeah. and might be in the best shape that we've seen him. Old Slim Jim looks. I can say that for myself uh, this season compared to last season. I did pretty well. Put twenty five down now. Actually, uh, no one cares. No, you're, no not one scoring, cares. you're not scoring goals. Uh, <laughs> doing my thing. All right. So one key key thing about this match was this will be our last one of the season at uh, Bishop Kinney. Um, it's a shame. It's a beautiful place to play. Um, I like the proximity to the uh, to to the pitch. The one thing we've been talking about is. What is the expense to the team with balls lost over the, down at that north end? Um, I think we made some predictions last episode on how many balls and ball boys lost. Do you, Derek, do you remember what your? Uh, I think mine was two and one. Two, so two balls lost, one ball boy lost. I don't remember, and, and you know, I guess I should have looked back and listened back to the last episode. I think I was the same. I think I was like two two balls. Um, no ball boys lost to the river. Um, I checked with uh, the legendary Richard Santos uh, earlier today, and the official ball loss count in this match was zero. So good job on the ball boys. Um, well, it, to be fair, it's uh, our, our team was better at striking the ball and putting it on target versus Pensacola, who couldn't find anywhere close to score. Well, that's right. Yeah, there weren't as many. They didn't have the, as many the, shots. Right, so it's, yeah, so it, it really only came down to to forty five minutes of a ball having a chance of going into the water. So you know, there you go. That's uh, we can put down Bishop Kinney as is one of our uh, grounds that we are undefeated at. So um, and it's a beautiful ground at that. Like, oh, it's what a dream location, you know. So there, lovely. there was actually some, uh, uh, some wave runners and boats coming up yeah. in the first half. It was, it was sweet. Yeah, it's just picturesque, you know. Like Jacksonville, we have so much, we have some of the most like um, coastline out of any city in the U.S. And it's just picturesque. Like, it's, it's a shame. Um, I'm not knocking it before it's built, but like our stadium, um, when it, when it is built, RP Stadium has that in the backdrop because you couldn't ask for anything better i mean the jag stadiums in the background the water people on jet skis like you said like coming up and watching it's just beautiful it's, it's, it's beautiful and it, yeah it's a wonderful jacksonville snapshot yeah um for sure from that spot but unfortunately the you know as we've talked about before it's a little bit too narrow so it's not uh, viable to maintain playing there so we're back to the uh Friendly, friendly confines of Hodges Stadium for our next match. So let's move over to uh, player of the match. Uh, I think James already gave his player of the match with a uh, yeah. Alex Smith, right? Yep. And I and I I um I put my vote towards uh, Geo. 
uh, just the, the magic and the spark that he brings was just, you know, refreshing in, in those, those runs. And uh, we keep saying fastest man in the MPSL. And I, I would have to agree with that. I, I, you know, I would take bets on anybody else to show me someone that can make runs like that. You, well, you know what it's done for me is uh, reminiscent of Aridis, like when he would get the ball and just turn and go at the goalie. Uh, Gio, for me, just gives that excitement. And you, you always know you're going to get a show. Um, when he's on the ball. So I'm I'm really glad that we still have players like that on the, the team. Well, it, it's not just his uh his running at people or running around people that makes him deadly. It's uh, the fact that he can cut on the ball and then dribble out of pressure and, and still make the pass. Like he, he's a willing passer. He he doesn't hold the ball too long. Like he, he makes the right play. He knows when to uh, take a foul. He knows when to try to beat a guy. He knows when to just make the pass and take off running. Like he he reads the game very very well for uh um for a winger and his five goals in three seasons um, proves it. He's the second player um uh Ido Cumber being the first to score um a goal in each of the uh three seasons. Or the Jacksonville Armada, Armada since Tommy take uh, Tommy K has taken over. Like and he's he, got he's, one other thing going for him too. He's got a member of his family that's got it going on. Oh jeez, uh, no, no he didn't. No he didn't. Jesus, cut that out. <laughs> I'll leave that there. So it's um, but yeah, G- Geo was definitely my player of the match. But we we had plenty of uh, standout players. Edu Mason. Uh, uh, Micah Thomas, Redmore, Alex Smith. There were so many players that played a very, very exceptional game. Jed Bowman, I thought, was uh, was solid as well. Um, but Jed's the, improved uh, leaps and bounds. Yeah, well, Jed Jed is what we know him to be. He's a very, very solid player that gives it all. Like, yeah, he doesn't stop running. You know. Yeah, and James it, it, used that that term they they like to overuse in the in the, in the UK is uh he has a great work rate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. No, there there honestly with the Armada, there might be one player who has a higher work rate, and that's Angus Taylor. Um, Angus because, Taylor. Yeah, it, it be, Taylor's always um, running down passes, trying to force turnovers. He 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 is like um uh he is a a pressing winger's dream. Um, like he, he, that's where he's going to get most of his action is is forcing the other team's back line into mistakes so he can get goals. So, um, but the people on Twitter had a vote for player of the match, and the winner of that was actually Mason Tunbridge. With he wasn't a, a majority vote, but definitely got the most votes at forty four point four percent. So congratulations, Mason. First game back with the Armada this year and already uh, the Pyro No Podcast uh, man of the match. Let's give him a round of applause. Nice one. (sighs) The crowd goes wild. Yep. So, but there were other matches this past week um, in the Gulf Coast Conference besides the Armada. Do they they really matter? Well, kind of, because... uh, the Wednesday before the Saturday's game, uh, Pensacola got to play, so they got to play two games in one week. 
they they were fortunate enough to play the Roots, which um, still is winless after their their four one loss to Pensacola. And then on Saturday, besides the Armada's two one victory over Pensacola, there was uh, the New Orleans Jesters who won two zero over the Roots, and Tallahassee Soccer Club beaten Southern State Soccer Club one mm. nothing at Gene Cox Stadium in Tallahassee. That's big. I think that, if you that, hearken back to uh, we were making our season predictions, uh, somebody was uh, kind of hyping up Tallahassee. Let's yeah, I, that was. I, I know. I picked them. Uh, I, I picked them fifth. I think you picked them fifth, but with a well, chance to fourth. go higher. I think fourth. I think I went fourth there. No, I think you picked Southern State's fourth. Uh, I don't know. Be now. We can't go back. It's recorded. So don't yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll I, look that up and see. You may be yeah. right. So I, th- I think Brian was the only one that uh, pick put them fourth. I think, um, in that. But and where that, do they that, stand right now? So the standings, how they, how the NPSL Golf Coast conferences, which they remember, they do things by points per game. So the Armada with four games played, two wins, two ties, with a total of eight points, is in first place with two points per game, and a six goal differential. Tallahassee Soccer Club is second with also eight points and two points per game, but their goal differential is only two points per game. New Orleans Jesters has only played two games. They have one win and one loss. They have a total of three points for a 1.5 points per game, and they have a zero goal differential. In fourth place was Pensacola FC, who we just played. They have three games played. They've won one. They've lost one. They've drawn one. They have a total of four points. They have seven goals for, five goals against for a two-goal differential, and 1.3333. And that leaves outside of the playoff picture right now Southern States, who has three games played, one win, one loss, one draw, four points, and they are a uh, plus one goal differential. And then they have... um, in sixth place, I am going to put AFC Mobile in there because even though they have not played a game, they're still listed on the NPSL website. They are in sixth place with zero points, zero points per game, and a zero goal differential, followed by the Florida Roots, who have played three games, has three losses. They are a negative eight goal differential with also zero points per game sitting behind them. What's your thoughts on the standings, guys? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, what, what, how much can change in a season, right? I mean, look at the seven states who predicted that. Um, it's sad. I mean, the roots seem to be the the punching boys of this uh, this this season. They've replaced uh, Tallahassee, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. But Ta- Tallahassee scored two points last year. Do the roots get any points this year? I'm gonna go no. I would say no. I I don't see who they beat. They they've lost to Armada seven uh uh seven two. They've lost to Tallahassee uh I think two to one, and they've lost to New Orleans two zero. Like, I mean, who knows? They might lose to Mobile. They might like it. it, it it's they. They they might not have any players to play that game, and there might be a three zero forfeit. I don't know. Uh, like it, it's a uh, it, it's. It's very interesting when we're uh, about the 
a third of the way through the season. There's only 10 games played and uh, in the season, and most teams are at three or four games already played. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I know um, this next week we have uh, a couple games on Saturday. Um, we have Pensacola FC hosting Southern State Soccer Club at 7 o'clock Central Time at Shoreline Field. And then the Armada are going all the way to New Orleans playing at Pan Am Stadium at 7 o'clock Central Time. Um, they're playing the New Orleans Jester, and the stream was going to be available at 11 Sports, according to Armada Twitter. Um, what's your guys' thoughts and predictions on that upcoming game? For the Jesters, I believe it's going to be... We'll talk about Jesters Armada away. Yeah. I think we're going to beat them. It's going to be 1-3 Armada. We beat them. Okay. I've got New Orleans uh, 2, Armada 3. I think we're still going to have, uh, I don't want to call it issues, but I think we're, we may still let a couple still in. Still no clean sheet on the year. Yeah. Okay. I want to see travels to the supporters going up there too. We got um nice little group going up there, so safe travels to yeah, the time of recording, There are a few already on their way there. Yeah, I saw a couple uh, flying out, and I know a few people planning on making the drive. And uh, I know I picked the Armada to win two to one. So hopefully, uh, I don't care if they win uh, and they get the shutout or they don't get the shutout. As long as they get the three points, that's yeah. what matters. So that that's the most important part. So um, and hopefully, uh, Jed and Kenny can give us another excitable moment in this uh, in this uh, interleague rivalry. I have a feeling there may be a a, a kiss and make up. Um, <laughs> we'll, well, but time time will tell. Je, we did have Jed on earlier in the season, and he said he he loves Kenny, and uh, it's uh, he 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 thinks Kenny is a uh, is a classy guy off the pitch, and it's a nice little rivalry. I think is how he put it. Um, well, I think we need to get pitch. it out on the socials to uh, see if we can get them to get a hug. I think it makes make things all better. Just, just don't give them a Snicker bar because uh, New Orleans tends to score a goal after we give them a Snickers bar. Yeah, I think what we'll do is I think this time around maybe we'll just taunt him with a Snickers bar. Okay. Not hand over. We'll give it to him after they lose. All right. All right. So that's the upcoming matches. You got anything else? Anybody else want to wrap up with anything else? No, um, not really. Uh. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Um, uh, remember what it's there for, uh, or the to remember the ones uh, that uh, that have served the country that we have lost. And uh, thank you for your service and sacrifice. All right. Well, that's going to do it on this episode. So we will leave you with Go Armada. Almost Armada. Support local football.